Welcome to Off The Grid Radio. Better ideas to bust you and your family out of today's global control grid. Now, here's today's show. Hi, welcome to another edition of Off The Grid Radio. I'm Michael Faust of OffTheGridNews.com. Today's guest is Brian Emerson, who, is with, who along with his wife, Laura Emerson, uh, lives in the bush of Alaska, where they rely on solar and wind power for their, their electricity, and, and they are a 20-minute flight to the nearest road. We talked to them a few months ago, and we wanted to have them back on to discuss their off-grid power option, which is fascinating to talk about. Brian, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the program. Hey, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be back. Let's recap for those who have not heard uh, our first interview with you. Uh, where do you guys live in Alaska? Sure. We live about 35 miles northwest of Anchorage, uh, which is what's called south-central Alaska, and that's the nearest road for us. Okay. And, and uh, you guys um, live quite remotely. Um, what, what brought you there? Uh, back in was it 2000, 2007, or what, 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 when did you guys move there? I forget. Right. In 2007, I bought five, five acres of undeveloped land on a gorgeous lake uh, overlooking a couple mountains that were just uh, breathtaking and thought, well, maybe someday we'd want to retire here or just spend some, some more time here. And uh, little by little, we started building things out and now have quite a homestead with a bunch of different buildings and uh, fairly sufficient lifestyle. Is, is off-grid living more popular, I'm assuming it is, more popular in, in, in your neck of the woods than it is in the lower 48? I believe so because we are, you know, probably 40 miles from the nearest uh, electricity, wow. and uh, you can't really, there's no bridges, and you're going across several braided rivers, so there's really no option, other option uh, than... Uh, than off-grid for, for most of the people that live out here in this area. Now, we are talking to you in December. Um, what kind of what kind of uh, seasons are you? I mean, what, what kind of daylight are you getting right now? Are you getting, uh, are you getting any daylight? Right, yeah. The sun tends to come up uh, when, we, when we see it, and it's not cloudy, which is most of the time, but it tends to come up around 10 a.m. and set around 3 p.m. So we've got about five hours of daylight each day. Okay. Uh, but, you know, a lot of clouds... Uh, the last couple weeks. Well, that makes it challenging for certain types of, um, you know, off-grid power systems. Uh, so tell me what, uh, what, what types of power systems you've seen around that area and, uh, and why you wanted something uh, a little different. Sure. I think most people in the area here over the past 50 years have probably put in a diesel generator and they would turn that on a couple hours a day when they needed power. Um, that's most of it. Uh, we, we've seen more recently where people are putting in solar, wind, some micro-hydro, um, but the options are pretty limited. Now, now why did you not, did, did you go the diesel generator route, or what, what, what did you choose? We chose not to go the diesel generator route only because you have to haul in you know, big drums of diesel fuel in the winter when the lakes and rivers are frozen, and that's expensive and dangerous and long and tiring. Uh, we decided instead to go solar and wind, and that means we really don't have to bring in any supplies for those two, although we have a very small Honda generator, gas-based, uh, that on a day like today where it's completely cloudy and it's not sunny or windy, 
we'll run that for a couple hours to top off the batteries, and that'll last us a day or so, and uh, do it again if we don't have sun or wind by then. So, so solar and wind, uh, that, that's what you have. And so how does that work uh, during the summer, and how does it work during the winter? Do you rely on one more in, than the other seasons? Yeah, I would say um, that we are uh, completely self-sufficient with regard to energy from roughly probably the beginning of March until the middle of August because lots of sun, uh, enough wind, and we almost never use the, the little gas generator then. We do start getting some rains towards the end of August and into September, and that's when uh, the wind itself probably doesn't do quite enough, so we're using the, the, the generator a little bit more. Uh, we oftentimes do our annual travel about November, and uh, when we come back, kind of December, January, February is still dark enough and not quite enough wind that we're probably running a little gas generator maybe, you know, an hour or two every other day perhaps to keep the batteries, uh, to keep the batteries topped off. Now, are, are there folks around there, I'm just curious, uh, Brian, are there folks around there who live as remotely as you live and have a diesel generator? Yes. The neighbor, uh, in fact, right next to us on our lake, uh, it's a retired couple. They've been here, I think, 24 years. They do have a diesel generator, and they run that every night, roughly from 6 p.m. till midnight year-round, and that keeps their freezers on in the summer and allows them to use their telephones and uh, Internet uh, during that time. I guess you've got to have some, you know, some, some money to, 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 to do that, but what are, what are the other um, uh, negatives of, of using a setup like that? Well, it's noisy. You know, we enjoy coming out to the peace and quiet, and we hate to hear those kind of noises. As we say, if you want to hear a human sound out here, you have to make it. So we don't <laughs> want the noise. We don't want the smell. Uh, we don't want it necessarily scaring away animals that we might want to see or birds. So we think the uh, is the solar and wind is, is a lot more peaceful and economical and yeah. easier to deal with. I'm just curious. Uh, do, do you know if they have a backup? I mean, what if their diesel, gen- diesel generator fails? Well, I believe they have a small Honda generator like we would, which uh-huh. could probably fill in to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but uh, a lot of people in the bush realize that if they have to go several days without power, um, they probably do do more canning or have backup supplies yeah. than to rely completely on a refrigerator or freezer. And of course, we're talking uh, about an area that, or I'm sure everybody heats with a wood stove. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I there are a couple people that maybe would just come out for weekends or hunters or fishermen that might have a, a diesel. Uh, or a, a kerosene stove, a propane stove to warm right. them up. But uh, everybody that I know that lives out here is, is wood heat. Tell us about uh, the, there's a there's a hundred there's a, a tall uh, 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 120 foot power tower that you had to build. Uh, tell us about that and what the significance of that is for for your uh, for your uh, power. Sure. Well, we decided initially that we wanted to put uh, have one component of our power be wind. And if you want wind power, you really need to have your turbine above the tree line, which in our case was roughly 70 feet. So we took uh, uh, 12 10-foot sections of what's called a Rhone, R-H-O-N-E, tower, Rhone 25 tower, and put these sections together uh, in the winter. And uh, that gets the the wind uh, sufficient to 
do the power that we want uh, for our batteries. And then uh, we also use the tower to have a uh, satellite Internet dish. Uh, we also use it to pick up a cell phone uh, signal that's about 40 miles away with a special antenna to give us uh, good phone service like we're talking on right now. And we also sometimes put up uh, you know, weather equipment so we can tell uh, wind speed and uh, temperature and things like that. And, of course, I also have a ham radio um, antenna on that tower, too, so multi-purpose. Amazing, amazing. We're talking to Brian uh, Emerson. He is an off-grader who lives uh, along with his wife, uh, Laura, in, uh, in the bush of Alaska. Brian, let's take a quick break. When we return, we will continue our conversation with Brian. We'll talk about other aspects of his off-grid life in Alaska. We'll be right back. Finally in the news this evening, it's being reported that cyber spies from Russia and China have now penetrated our power grid. Even as energy experts are reporting that each summer we get closer and closer to the limits of our nation's power grid, some say that this summer's demand for electrical power may finally push the grid over its edge, creating a cascade of power outages across the country, putting us all in the dark. Are you prepared for the next round of storm-related outages or government-created blackouts? Have you ever thought about taking steps to get off the grid and generate your own private supply of electrical power? If so, this will be the most important information you have ever heard. Solar-powered generators are finally available. They have no moving parts to wear out or break and require absolutely no gas whatsoever. Remember, the government doesn't own the sun. So go to mysolarbackup.com. That's MySolarBackup.com. Check out MySolarBackup.com before you lose your power. Off the Grid News, because you want a different paradigm. Hey, Brian, let's talk about a couple of things uh, before we turn to another subject. Number one, let's talk more about this tower. Um, you've got a 120-foot tower. And you were telling me during the break how uh, it actually, you, you called the cell company and, and you worked out something with them. Tell me, tell me that story uh, and, and, and what, you know, what that involved. Sure. Well, I called our local phone company and said, I'd love to get phone service from you. How can we do it? And they used the GPS coordinates and said, sorry, it's not available out there. And I said, uh, you know, let's be more creative. And they said, okay, uh, come on in, we'll give you some equipment. So they, they gave me uh, about a six-foot-long antenna, um, uh, 50 feet of coaxial cable, and some other uh, hardware, and said, here you go, good luck, try to assemble it and see if it works. So I put the tower, the, this big antenna near the top of the tower and pointed it towards their nearest cell phone site, which is about 40 miles away. Mm-hmm. That picked up and amplified the signal and brought it into this hardware box down below which then uh, allows us to have great phone service. Incredible. Now, did uh, you... So that's, that's another, uh, th- that happened to be a, a great way when, you know, everybody else says you'll never get phone service out there. So did you buy that from them or did they give it to you? I'm just curious. Well, I guess officially they loaned it to me. Okay. So uh, maybe someday I'd have to give it back, but uh, it's working <laughs> great right now and have had it up for probably five or six years. Okay. What I'm, I'm just trying to help people understand how, how uh, ingenuity and creativity and, and you know, never give upness, I guess, uh, can help people in an off-grid setting. Because you built this tower, this, this large 120-foot tower that gives you um, cell service in the middle of nowhere. 
Uh, and it also has a, 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 you said partially uh, on the way up, it also has a satellite dish to help get you get, to so to help get you, um, uh, to help you get, is what I'm trying to say, um, uh, internet. And finally, you also have a solar panel, I think, uh, on, on that. Right. So what I did is uh, about two-thirds of the way up, I put four uh, solar panels and pointed them south, and those are more likely to get sun this time of year in the winter when the sun just barely comes up over the horizon. It's, it's well above the tree level uh, versus the six panels that I have on a rotating pole down at head level. That's not very effective this time of year. Let's talk about what um, what your system can power because, um, as you know, we were discussing during the break, some people have this false notion that you can move off-grid, set up an off-grid power system, and, you know, have your ha- have the Las Vegas type of city life. And, and that's not the case. So what, what can you power uh, with your system? What do you power? Right. So basically with a, with a wind generator, 10 solar panels, eight deep cycle batteries, and an inverter, we're able to power our phones and our laptops, you know, 24-7. Mm-hmm. We don't have hair dryers. We don't have, uh, you know, electric uh, drying machines. We have very, you know, we don't have any kind of toasters. Uh, we also have some uh, LED lights in the winter, but it's pretty minimal. We don't have a TV, so I think for people that, uh, that want to uh, live a decent life, uh, and also, we, we run uh, some power out to animals to, for a chicken coop or something. So it's pretty minimal. So if people are, are thinking of suburban lifestyle, it'll be a, you know, it'll be a downsize in, in terms of their energy requirement. We, and, and, of course, in the winter, we don't need refrigerators or freezers. We just leave things outside in coolers. Now, do you, uh, does your power um, – I'm just curious because, of course, you have, you have extremes. You have uh, 24-hour sun and then almost no sun. I'm talking a little bit hyperbole there because you, you're not that far north. But do you have – is everything that you just said the same in summertime too, or do you sometimes have a little more leeway in, in terms of what power you can use in the, in the summertime? Oh, yeah. Most summer days we cannot use all the power we're generating. And, in fact, we have to dissipate it as waste heat. Mm-hmm. So uh, – but that's just – you know, we had, to, we had one design of a system to average out – uh, what our needs are over the year, and it's just it's way too big for the summertime here. I got you, and so I'm, I'm just because I know a lot of off-gridders who have television sets and things like that. That's why that's why I'm uh, that's why I'm asking about that. And so I, I guess it does depend on how much how much power you're generating and where you live. Is that would you agree with that? Right. Yeah. Somebody further south, and especially in the summer or on sunny days, is going to be able to run all kinds of TVs and refrigerators and all that with with not very many panels at all. Mm-hmm. Just making sure. All right, let's 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 turn to one more subject before we uh, before we have to conclude here. Uh, plumbing. Uh, you are in an area that, um, you know, isn't, is not easy to um, to have a plumbing set up because, you know, at a certain parts of the year, everything's going to freeze. So wh- what do you do? Well, the first year or two when we were really roughing it, we started uh, taking lake water and running it through a fairly large water filter, and that would give us, you know, plenty of water to, to drink and brush teeth and do dishes. Um, and then in the winter, we would melt snow on five-gallon uh, metal buckets on the wood stove and, again, gave us some warm water, you know, and and, wa- and the basic water we need to, to do what we're going to do. But that kind of got old. 
And so then we installed a lake pump about the third year. So that uh, was a pretty large pump that would suck the water out of the lake and run it through a series of filters so that we could actually have running water in the sink. It wasn't heated at that time, but at least we could have running water in the summer. Now, in the winter, we would turn that system on long enough with the pipes running underground to fill up a food-grade 55-gallon uh, drum in the kitchen and then, uh, and then drain the water back out so that we would then have a little auto V pump that would pump the water from the 55-gallon drum into the sink, and we would fill that drum up probably once a week or so. Also, about the fourth year, we added on-demand heater both uh, in the kitchen in the summer and at our shower house so we could take hot showers and do dishes. Um, that works in the shower house in the winter for hot showers, but we, but the, uh, but that that's on the outside of the cabin in the winter would freeze, so we don't have hot water to the kitchen running uh, other than the water that we would heat up on the wood stove. So to us, it feels really normal and not that much work now. But uh, there were a lot of bugs in the systems over the years, so um, we're we're making it work and happy with it. And what, what takes what takes the most? Uh... Uh, I guess getting used to is it is it the is it the 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 power difference or the or the water difference when you moved? I think it's the water difference because with the extremes in temperature here, pipes even underground can freeze, mm -hmm. and when you get an underground pipe frozen in the winter, it could be a long long time until that thing's uh, unfrozen. Mm -hmm. So we've had to run heat electric heat trace lines uh, through those so that on the coldest days that heat trace line will bring the temperature of the inner parts of those pipes above freezing, and then we can run the water. I think the water is the hardest. Gotcha. Brian, our time is, is, is about up. I, I do want to mention uh, the website that you guys have. I'm assuming this website is, is still the address. Um, and I've got here written alaskauu1.blogspot.com. It's a, it's a, that's a Brian and Laura's uh, website. They've got a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, would you add anything to what I just said? Is that I think that's the website, isn't it, Brian? Yeah, that's great. We'd love to have people uh, review what we're doing. Please send us comments because that will encourage us to write more articles, and uh, hopefully they'll, they'll get something out of it, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, see some of your listeners out this way someday soon. Awesome. Brian, hey, we really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Michael. Bye-bye. As a reminder, people can visit offgridnews.com for the best home setting and off-grid advice they will find anywhere. Visit our how-to section where you can learn about how to get your wood stove ready for winter and just about everything else uh, for winter homesteading. With Engineer Gavin Wright, this has been Michael Faust. Please join us again next week for another edition of Off the Grid Radio.